Across the margin. Across the margin. Podcast. of the current caste system, and what most distinguishes it from its predecessors, is that it appears voluntary. People choose to commit crimes, and that's why they are locked up or locked out, we are told. This feature makes the politics of responsibility particularly tempting, as it appears the system can be avoided with good behavior. But herein lies the trap. All people make mistakes. All of us are sinners. All of us are criminals. All of us violate the law at some point in our lives. In fact, if the worst thing you have ever done is speed 10 miles over the speed limit on the freeway, you have put yourself and others at more risk of harm than someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of his or her living room. Yet there are people in the United States serving life sentences for first-time drug offenses, something virtually unheard of anywhere else in the world. The nature of the criminal justice system has changed. It is no longer primarily concerned with the prevention and punishment of crime, but rather with the management and control of the dispossessed. If we want to do more than just end mass incarceration, if we want to put an end to the history of racial caste in America, we must lay down our racial bribes, join hands with people of all colors who are not content to wait for change to trickle down, and say to those who would stand in our way, Except all of us, or none. Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast, where we take you beyond the margin, behind the scenes, and deeper into the stories. I have with me, as always, my co-host, Chris Thompson. Chris, how are you doing today? Not bad, Mike. Great to be here. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Um, I've been looking forward to this podcast for, for some time now, not only because race and institutional inequalities in America are such important issues to talk about, but um, but also because this type of challenging and, and crucial conversation exhibits something that is so present at Across the Margin. Um, almost weekly, you can find articles about various social issues affecting all of us daily, so it's, it's, it's kind of mirrors what you will see on our, on the online magazine, which is great too, but to us, it's clear that systematic racism is alive and well in America, and it's high time we get our head around that reality and work towards some change. Right, right. I agree, Mike. You know, I feel like this is a really unique period of time mm-hmm. in our lives, both for American society and the individuals who make up our multicultural ranks. Um, like no other time before, there's no more hiding from all the injustices that occur every day in America. Um, that they happen at all is unfortunate and a great tragedy for us all. But with the rise of social media and the 24-hour news cycle, um, the world is a much more visible place. Um, it's 
it's a lot bigger, mm-hmm. but it's also a lot smaller. Um, no longer can events such as those that have unfolded in Ferguson or South Carolina or Florida or New York here, City, yeah. yep, just in our home city, um, just fly under the radar. Um, no longer can these injustices be pushed under the rug and the community that they happen in just be forced to endure another death um, or another assault or another violent crime without any fear of prosecution mm-hmm. um, from those individuals that perpetrate, perpetrate these injustices. Um, you know, the world's a smaller place, and because of this, everything has the potential to be under the magnifying lens you know, of our great societal eye. It's been said that moments of calm and peace are immediately preceded by chaos and change, mm. um, by the energies of the system trying to right themselves and find a more even path to a new par- par- paradigm. This is where we are today, it seems, with all the racial violence and injustices no longer getting a free pass, with rallying cries like Black Lives Matter and Don't Shoot a part of the national debate. All this chaos and change seems poised to propel us as a society in a new positive direction in regards to race relations. And I think that's a, that's a great thing. Um, it's an uphill battle, no doubt, you know, one where a lot of the prejudices and these entrenched, battle-tested old ways of doing things have to change. But they will change. They have to. As a society, many of the older generations that can remember a time when segregation was a very real thing in America are, are simply fading away, you know? Um, and in their place will be entirely new generations of people growing up under a new day, you know, with a, with a new banner um, and, a, and a new rallying cry, you know, one where those who would perpetuate crimes against individuals on the basis of race are publicly shamed and prosecuted to the full extent of the law and prevented from further destroying all that we as a society are trying so hard to build. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's too soon to tell, I'm thinking, if that we have reached that, that point in time where we'll, we'll things have changed. Sure, sure. But we can um, only hope you're right. Before we go too much further, I want to mention that that intro I read um, before the introduction was Michelle, from Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, which is a very telling and... Um, excellent read about um, the prison system and issues there. And on that note, I was reading uh, today one of my favorite artists, Talib Kweli, uh, an MC. He wrote uh, an essay recently. It's called From, um, From Ferguson to Freedom. And um, I want to just read a bunch because not only do we talk about the uh, the issues that Chris was just getting into, but um, we're going we're gonna to bring someone in here and we're also going to be talking about the prison industrial complex right, and, and right. some issues with that. So, But um, Quelly, well, he was wrote, to me, the prison industrial complex is the most dangerous pinnacle of racism. If we could get rid of the prison system, that would go a long way in tapping into the thought process that shapes the nation's negative perceptions of black men. But it's much deeper than simply getting rid of prisons. The problem is the criminalization of people. It's all the things that go into our entertainment and media in- industries, into the criminal justice system, into how the, the police treat us on the streets and, and into politics. All those things are meant to criminalize us and make us feel like our lives are less valued. The devaluing of black and brown lives, lives is a byproduct of the prison industrial complex, which is a byproduct of severe racism, which is a byproduct of white supremacy. So it's, um, it's kind of hard to argue with yeah, any of that. Yeah, really strong and, words, you yeah, know. And, yeah, it's very, very intense. So, right. Um, I think uh, without further ado, let's, uh, we have someone here that we believe can shine some light on um, the institutional problems facing young men of color, particularly here in New York City. So yeah. let's dive like, deep. You want to get into it? Sure. Sounds right. good, Mike. Let's do it. 
Today we have with us Paul Gutkowski, who is a longtime social worker here in New York City. Currently, he works for Open and Act, a not-for-profit organization that introduces theater programs to underserved public schools throughout the city. Before that, he was the associate executive director director at Getting Out, Staying Out, where he helped justice-involved men aged 16 to 24 achieve success upon release back into the community. And to relieve the stress of social work, Paul is an active comedian, an improviser, an actor. He can be seen throughout the city as part of his two-prov group, True East, and also every Wednesday at the People's Improv Theater with his improv team, The Studio System. So, uh, welcome, Paul. Thank you for joining us today. That was a great job on the intro, Mike. Yeah, that, no, I, messed, I messed up the last one last time, so thank you so much. Um, that was clean. It, it, was, it was semi-clean. There's, there's a hiccup there today. So. Improviser. <laughs> <laughs> that was the hiccup. That was the hiccup. <laughs> I didn't point it out to everyone yeah, in thanks, case they didn't thanks. pick it up. So that everyone knows. Um, <laughs> you'll see on the top of my notes here, I have written... Paul's a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah out that's right. No, that's right. sabotage this thing the whole time. <laughs> he's, he's come here to ruin us. It's uh, it says society, race, and prejudice in America, and then underneath it says and comedy. So, guy so, so that's we're here. We're here to uh, I, I'd solve rather, the world's problems and then talk about how funny you are. Right there. So, uh, well, Jeffrey Golia, who, who now uh, contributes to ATM, he's our Game uh, of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones expert. Yeah, right. He and I worked together for for many years. He was actually my intern at Getting Out and Staying Out. He and, is uh, a brilliant nerd. Yeah, he's got like I think I told you he's he got like fanboys and fangirls yeah. from his trivia night. And he has uh, a trivia fire on, on his. I think he has his own sigil too. I think. It's, oh yeah, he's got his own wild. Yeah, yeah, he's got his own sigil. Yeah. And uh, but uh, he also, he, if you ever do like a country music thing, he's actually a huge country music really? fan in like a completely unironic way. Yeah, I'm um, never gonna do that. No, no. <laughs> but you know what? You never, never say never, right? No. Um, well, you don't know. I mean, uh, there's a. Yeah, you probably won't do a country radio, yeah. or, like especially like country radio pop, which is what he really enjoyed, like Craig Morgan and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, well, I forgot why I brought him up. There was a specific reason. There was. Why there I brought, had, you were going somewhere um, with that. What were you starting? Well, because we. Oh, I'd rather laugh. That's what it is. The when you talk about racism, like uh, all of the heavier topics, and then comedy. We uh, had a bit where we were going to do, like, kind of clowny improv and, like, go into, like, at, you know, Attica uh, or Fishkill Correctional and be like, and it would be like, I'd rather laugh. Uh, oh, or, God. like, I'd laugh your bit away. <laughs> uh, like, these terrible, like, uh, it would be, like, just, it would be the worst shticky, like, slapstick. Yeah. Bad short it, form mocking, improv, it's, it's mocking ourselves. Yeah, not. I mean, no, we would never actually. Uh, you know, you have to have a sense of humor to do this work. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, we'll get to all that fun. So we're going to start with the heavier courses and then move on to the light. Because I mean, just what you did at um, at getting out, staying out, and just all the work in social work. Uh, I would like, I, I'd like to hear some of your insights. So, sure, it, it feels like racial tensions in America are um, are heightened to say and uh, as I was coming of age when I was much younger I, I, I think I naive, naively assumed that by this point in time uh, the, the level of racial tensions we're seeing now wouldn't, would be a thing of the past and um, does it surprise you the level of uh, divide and ignorance and, and even hatred we're seeing today? I See I don't know that I agree that it 
uh, is heightened. Yeah, it just it's. I think that we there's there's more media coverage, the, which the I polar, think is the, the polarization. The polar, yeah, I think that media, that yes. there are people who um, who make and I think a very it's a it's a noble cause who like like guys like Sean King on Twitter and the guys that like. Are, are activists who are like social media activists almost that and they're more than that but like there's more awareness and coverage of of the racial inequality and systemic inequality uh, that occurs every day you know that, that yeah. is just ingrained in our culture and our society and our, our laws and um, yeah. but I don't think it's I think it's it's there's more aware there's 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 more awareness which is a great thing which then makes it feel like there's heightened tension but I think the tension is never I think in ta- like in cities like Baltimore or right, here and in, in communities and uh, in, in, you know Brooklyn and, and in Harlem the, the tensions have been there forever. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you think there's a benefit to? I mean, I, I really think that 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 what was going on in Baltimore and what was going on in Ferguson. Um, and yeah, the media coverage was just, there was exploitation and whatnot. But uh, there is a more, there's an awareness to a lot of people. There were, there, I'm sure a lot of people's eyes were open to, you know, some of this stuff going on. Do you think that this, you know, can trickle down and lead to any change? More people knowing that that, you know, you know, I don't know because people don't do. People usually aren't called to action. Change is a really difficult thing, right? No matter what, right? And there's like, um, you know, one of the first things you learn in social work practice, or I think in you know any kind of basic psych, uh, is the stages of change. And um, people spend their entire lives in pre-contemplation, right? When they are like, there's an issue that they're dealing with, they they spend they could spend 20 years thinking about the change they're going to make, whether it's like. Yeah. You know, whatever the behavior is that they don't want to change. And that has to do with a very personal behavior. When you think about something that's like, for a lot of people, especially a lot of progressive people, like a lot of liberal people aren't prepared to do shit. They're not doing shit. Yeah. You know, they might have like, you know, more black friends than their their dad did. Or like <laughs> more, but they're not like, there's no call, to, there's no great call to action. And it's challenging, you know, even like hearing Obama um, which I thought his eulogy was obviously beautiful and, and like tear jerking the amazing grace his amazing grace was I get a goosebumps just thinking about it right like, <laughs> yeah. but even that like he there's like specific like legislation like around like gun control or around like certain but in general it's such a it's it's such an ingrained and complex problem that there aren't I think it's hard to like make specific calls to action yeah. Um, other than just having white people and and, uh, and white power structures um, relinquish some of their like fear uh, and uh, ignorance and uh, but then on a larger level like systemically like it doesn't doesn't serve like the the corporate like uh, structures to, to have like great systemic change yep. right I mean even like talking about it right now I'm like talking in it's, it's getting deeper and deeper into it so there's so going back to I don't think that there's like you know um, other than you know making if every white person uh, progressive white person like what would the call to action be yeah I mean, you know? that's, I mean my next question would it be like to stop your drunk uncle when he like you know when drops an N-bomb yeah. or makes like a joke about like Mexican dudes or like is it when you're at like a wedding you know my uncle well, I know everybody's uncle. I mean, I know every... There's, like, one... No matter where you... We all have that uncle. Right. No matter, yeah. I know, like, yeah. whether it's, like, like Southern Virginia or mm-hmm. Northern Upstate New York fucking Yankee Warlocks, dude, that are, like, the greatest, like, 
the most, you know, one of the crazy things about um, the New York State prison system is that it's, it's, it's a cottage industry, right? It's, instead of factories, you have correctional facilities in these small towns uh, all throughout the state. And there's in, like towns like Coxsackie. Uh, there's two prisons in Coxsackie. Can you, can you describe what you mean by cottage in, industry? Yeah, so, like, so instead, of, you know, instead of having like a factory town where everybody, uh, the whole town's economy rallies around that one industry, yeah. um, which is the, you know, which was the, the way a large part of our economy was Absolutely. built. I mean, uh, it still is. The mill goes up, yeah, the, the town goes up. The mill goes up, the town does well. Coal, steel, you yeah. know, like... Right, and now, like, human storage. Right, human and, storage is a new one. And, and, and yeah. you have... I mean, I just, what made me think of this is, like, the Yankee Warlock idea of, like... And that's, like, an old Silver Jews thing that uh, he made up, the Yankee Warlock. Or he didn't yeah. know if he made it up, but it just, to me, always, like, really, this the large... Uh, kind of five country, well, like country. Uh, well, after I have like two drinks, I only speak <laughs> in silver Ju- and like David Berman and David Bazan lyrics. Um, so, uh, but the, so these these guys who so these cottage industries where these entire towns are their economy is complete is a hundred not a hundred percent but uh, a great a, a very large percentage of the economy is based on the. This is where people work, yeah. you know, and then it's like the diner where people go eat is the diner that is next to the prison, you know, mm-hmm. near, close enough to the prison. Um, and the guys who, you know, you, we send, you know, all these young uh, and not so young, brown and black, uh, and a crazy and occasionally white, <laughs> two white uh, murderers who escape because they charm the, their their buddies, they charm Yankee warlocks. Uh, but the people who who staff these prisons are just like big, hicking ass. Like my generalization, but like big, hicking sure. ass white folk, and that are as racist as anybody I ever met in Halifax sure. County, Virginia. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, so I, I don't know. It was the question about how we're going to change. Is that yeah. Right? I, mean, I also have to point I, out. I, I said this before, but I'm going to say it now that we're the idea that we have three white men yes. solve the race. I think is. Um, phenomenal. What, what was your solution? We call that a solution we for should kill it. We should all uh, do a three-way suicide. <laughs> we all shoot each other in the head at the same time. Yeah. Three less white men. I, I'd like to jump problem. in for one second, like please, you don't mind. Please. I mean, uh, I mean, Paul, you, you spoke about you thought that maybe the the level of racial tensions is still the same, but maybe because of social media, we're more aware of it. I mean, do you think it's a good thing? I mean, I think it's yeah. I think it's a good thing that uh, that every. I mean, I think that that people have been. Um, that police practices have, are not worse, you know. If anything, they're probably they're, they're probably better, yeah. you know, in general. I mean, like, in relatively speaking, like, police practices now are not... I mean, I don't think that. I know that. That, mm-hmm. that, that the way people are policed in this country has evolved, but it's still no fucked. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's still... And I think that every time that, that, that it happens, um, that there's hopefully a, a camera phone... Uh, and then hopefully people who, well, like I, I said, like these activists, these almost like these, tw- these the guys who are holding the press accountable, who are holding when when the, when, when a thing gets bombed, you know, a, a, not a thing when a, a when a you know an NAACP uh, office in Denver gets bombed, um, and no one talks about it. Like I think it's important that we have people. Did that, that happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, not even, I'm not aware of that. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, like I, the amount of those activists you speak of that I follow on Twitter, right? And it, well, and so I think it's. I think it's really important, um, or I think it's like you know the awareness is is a good thing. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know, you know what, uh, you know I don't know what. Again, people are really. I think that there are, and I, I don't want to be 
key, like it's some vague abstract thing that there aren't like you know, I think there are very specific things like in New York State raising the age to 18 yeah. for, like it is in every other state in the union I mean think about it. I was arrested three times from the age of 15 to 17 and my experience would have been it was always going to be different because I was a white affluent sure. kid from the suburbs but like if I grew up in New York, even if I was a white kid from Westchester, three I would, times. Three times, It'd yeah. It would be a lot different. It would have been yeah. a lot different. Right. You know, there would have been, you know, even if I had grew up in Nyack or something, it still would have been, you know, much different. I would have a criminal record, you know, whereas now, I'd, uh, other than what I've... And, and, you know, and I know from experience, the way you were treated when you were arrested was, was pretty... Uh, dude, it was awesome. <laughs> it was <all> right. <laughs> Get a nice no, ride was, in the back of the car. You know, Not even cuffed no, dude, they don't even take you in when you're white, yeah. dude. They just, yeah. like, call your parents. Call your parents. You get the citation. I did get once. I, I got, like, a heavy... Because of your white penis. Because of my white penis, a lot of good things have happened. Um, and I think that's true of most white people with penises, and they don't ever, like, it's hard to ever want to give that up. Like, I don't, like, I, I, like, I'm very, very, I think I'm probably as aware of my white privilege, um, which means I'm not even, like, close to being fully aware of it. Mm. And, like, I don't, like, I've tried and defer whenever I can, I don't know if that's the right word, but, like, to not, but I've, like, never not been the beneficiary of my white penis, yeah. you know, and, like, and so, so have, I'm willing to not. I, I like. I like. I. I try and. Um, and I'm thinking of. I'm having trouble thinking of like a concrete example of like, not, um, using that to. I mean, not not just not using it for my own good, but for like, I'm being aware of it, so it doesn't. Yeah, I'm taking advantage of. But it happens all the time. Well, do do, do we in that case, people who are aware of the white privilege and and, and I mean it just you know, benefited from you for lack of a better word. Do we have an extra responsibility to, I mean... Yeah, absolutely, but that's... Oh, I don't want to cut you up, but, like, yeah, that's the thing. Right? Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Way People are not... stand against the fact that it exists and, right, and, and, and so be louder would, and prouder right. about the fact that, look, hey, but no this, one, is, this is realer than you can ever imagine because... I know so many, I know so many, like, good and decent white people... Like, right, that, that they all live in this fucking, I mean, they live around, you know, like, they're, there's assholes in Park Slip, but you have, like, so many, like, you have the most, like, super educated, progressive white uh, uh, group of people. I don't know how many, and this, I'm not, this is, like, I've chosen this for my, like, kind of life's work, and, you know, not to fucking sound high and mighty, but, like, I don't use, in my spare time, I don't do a whole lot of shit, like, but I don't see, I don't, like, there are things, that, like, Inside Out Coalition, or different, like, they're, you know, Drop the Rock, you know, before, when Rockefeller laws were still in, enacted, like, and you didn't, you don't see a lot of people, like, especially young people. I don't, none of my fucking friends ever, and I'm not, you know, you know, taking take yeah. you guys, stuff, but I don't know anybody out of our group of friends that actually has marched on Albany, you know, or like, sure. and it's one thing like marching after some great atrocity has happened, you know, but it's another thing to be like on a fucking Tuesday to get on a bus and go, sure. like, have your voice heard. Like, nobody, who the fuck do you know that do, does do that, people dude? people do that? Yeah, people <laughs> fucking do that, dude. But no one we know does yeah. it. So, like, and why would, and, like, that's the thing, like, yeah, why, that's what, that's the call to action yeah. that, that people... Well, it's easy now to just tweet about it and then put a hashtag and, and then feel good about yourself and then you can move on, you know? I mean, yeah, and unfortunately. So, I mean, so what, 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 what the hell is it going to take? I mean, you got all these terrible events that you're alluding to. I don't and understand. Charleston, and literally nothing is done. And and then Freddie Gray, Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, Walter Scott, Tamir Rake, on and on. Literally nothing is done. What can it possibly take to incite action? Or just the is that just the 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 powers that be are never going to be favored by any sort of action? There's apathy. There's 
I don't know, man. I don't want to sound like a fucking cynic or yeah. like, but I think the empire won before yeah, that yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't like. I, I think know, that. I, 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 mean, I think I, we're I already in the fall of the. I think we're already like in you a know, decline. Yeah, I think the empire. Yeah. I think they all they all end. It's never pretty. Yeah, it's a David Bazan. I mean, it's like something, <laughs> something happens in the so, states. The states get in trouble. Federal government comes in and says, "You guys are wrong. We're going to reset everything. Fire all these people." But then new people come in, and then it just happens all over again. I feel like there's nothing really being changed. Just people are just getting punished and getting drug out into the media and being chastised. And then, but you're not doing any real problem solving. Yeah. Right. And I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing. Well, I think we're also. I think we're. And again, I mean, it's easier. It's easier for me to sit here and like say that we're fucked. Nothing is gonna. Nothing significantly positive will happen. When I think that things do happen every day. I mean, I think one of the cool. One of the things about. The, the Barack Obama WTF episode that was so impressive to me was like just his like steadfast about the Mark belief. Maron interview yeah yeah sorry the Mark Mar- Mark Marone as he was called on <laughs> Fox News <laughs> uh, un, like uh, no pun not uh, like not they, they just they, didn't they just thought it was like him. buffoons but yeah. um that, oh yeah, they were talking about the N word. Yeah, yeah, that whole yeah. was just so fucking Ridic- stupid, ridiculous. Um, he had some great retorts to that too. Uh, he so. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was really impressive about that is like, and and he saw he had a big week, you know, last week. Uh, it's a big week for podcasts in general. You being here, yeah. No, <laughs> I met Obama, Obama on the. Uh, I met Obama. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> a big week for everybody. It's like bookending. Yeah, fantastic um, week in America. Huge you know? no, podcast in general. I, I thought that it, what was impressive though was his like just faith in. Um, and small victories yeah. that accrue over time and that and turn into large victories. Yeah, he keeps right. talking about how he's been around this country so often and this, this, this job he has has led him to meet people of all walks of life and he still feels that there are good people. And, I mean, living where we do, and I know this is a pretty gentrified neighborhood, but, I mean, in Brooklyn, general, New York City, I have some days where, you know, the interaction is so racially diverse and there's just I mean it, I just there's days where I walk away towards the end of the day and I just feel hopeful I just like Dude, I do like, feel hopeful and, and, and I do too man and, that's and, like and, I might sound like like I said I don't want to be that I think we're that, that the empire is crumbling and nothing good because yeah. like, I the fucking you know what my least favorite one of my least favorite things in the world is, is any motherfucker who complains about the New York City subway like, <laughs> like when they because because it's brilliant because it's, it's the most efficient it's, it's system in the universe yeah. it moves and, millions of people a day yeah. and it's also like it is the, this like beautiful you, at, at times yeah. this like well, utopia might be pushing it but there is like there is uh, nowhere else in my life have I experienced a more diverse group of people, including Absolutely. severely mentally ill people who sure. are treated with dignity and respect. Yeah. Yeah. And there are like, and of course, like anything, there are there are groper, and it's always it's worse to be a woman, it's worse to be a person of color on the side. All of this, sure. like, it's a microcosm of society that way. But like, it's still like because I, I don't understand how I actually really don't understand how there hasn't been a, a massive uprising of people of color in this country. Yeah, like a violent uprising. In this country, and I'm not, and I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not encouraging no, people not. to do it, but it blows my fucking mind that it doesn't happen, Absolutely. and it hasn't happened already, and that the same thing. You've been saying that for a while. That's yeah, I, I mean, be, before, before any of this, well, I mean, stuff yeah, in yeah. the news and stuff. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it, it's a great question, and it's, I sort of like it, it goes to like tolerance, you know, like I mean, like the younger generation. Are they just as tolerant as the older generations for all this for this discrimination? Well, I mean, yeah. like, I, I guess, I, great question. Yeah, I, yeah. I've always thought that, like, you know, as these younger kids come in, 
the, I mean, ignorance and stuff was going to die out for exactly. some reason, which is... Exactly. No, and I, I don't think that that's, I don't know that that's not true. Yeah. You know, I think that, but I, I think it, but it, to me, there's like two major forces that, that get in the way of, of systemic racism and in, in, in inequity. Um, and those two forces to me are, um, are like the corporatization of, you know, our government and yeah. the fact that the interests that, that, you know, the interests of like, like, and I think Obama's right. I think that there are, I think that most people, no matter what, who they, you know, like who they vote for or what their politics are, are generally good human beings and have empath- and have some empathy to draw on for another human being. Yeah. Like I think that's real. I think, you know, even though a lot of Christians don't necessarily in their words and, you know, a lot of their actions act that way. Or I still think that if, when people, if someone's hurt, or if there's some tragedy, people are called. There's goodness in people that comes out. And, it's a and, deeper level. Yeah, I, but I, I think um, at, at the same time, like people, um, those people, uh, all all these people, are the people, including you and I, are like are not necessarily represented yeah, by. There will be blood. We're not. We're not. Uh, um, we're not represented. Uh, but you know, the people who, in, who are making the decisions in this country like um, do not represent the interest of the people who sent them there, mm-hmm. or who didn't send them there, who didn't vote, whatever. There's that side of it that like so. There's no there's no um, like big you know corporate interests don't have any interest really in. I mean, there's always been it's part of the capitalist system, right? The subjugation of of a certain class of people, um, and so that's not going anywhere. And then the other major force is is the is the apathy amongst people who think they give a shit yeah. or who do give a shit but aren't like again like young kids might be way more tolerant they might have um they might you know have more friends who look a lot different and who are you know people who um and, have, and be exposed to different you know um groups of people and get to know them and not be fucking scared of them um or stigmatize them in any way but that still doesn't mean that they're going to do a lot they're not going to do anything other yeah. than just look out for fucking number one, yeah. right? Especially with the, the distraction age that we live in and, and, and everything like that. So yeah. Do, um, yeah, well. Uh, I, seem like, I, I feel like I'm a downer. I don't know. No, no, no. I was, it's, I was it's about to ask. Because I, I, I think what you're saying is, is, you know, actually the truth. You know, I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I have this great statistic that in 2014, University of California found that just 27% of their incoming freshmen think that racial discrimination was a thing of the past. So they still, so 73% still believe that racial discrimination still exists. And, and, and that's the youth. That's the, the younger generation just coming into college. And now we're like, you know, are they going to carry that? To me that it's, that's that's that very surprising true. to me. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, you work a lot with teenagers in, in, in you know, in, in your job. I mean, I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, no, I think that, well, and the teenagers I've always worked with are young black and brown boys. And the, for the most part, and some, you know, throughout my career now at Opening Act, working with um, actually more female students, um, they're, they're, it's the reality, they're yeah. as aware of it as anyone can ever right. be because they right. live it on a daily basis. So they're, right. um, and they're actually, a lot of what we do at Opening Act is try and create a safe environment for them to, to tell the story, you know, to, to and uh, what we found this year is a lot, a lot of our programs um, actually, because the way our program works is that the, they basically spend the first to tell the I'm sorry to drop that tell, yeah. to tell the story through the arts to yeah to, to use I mean that's what the program really is about is yeah. like um, is using uh, theater as a medium to 
to express to give students a voice who otherwise wouldn't have them. And so we're going to students that don't, are going to schools that don't have theater arts programs. That's fantastic. Um, and they tell this. They you know they told the story of uh, a young black. One of the programs told us the story of a young black uh, boy, young man boy being shot, and they told it from the perspective of. Um, the young man who shot the officer who was a black officer uh, who shot him and the witness um, and told the story that like really was a very sophisticated complex uh, as sophisticated as complex uh, and uh, as the topic that they were exploring hmm. um, so they're very aware I mean I think yeah. young I mean I think young people especially in this town I mean they, they some of our students were like we don't want to and my other students that I teach had no interest in that because they're like I, we've, all we do is fucking live it every day yeah, we want to make yeah. a movie about a voodoo, some, like, some uh, sort of love escapism why do yeah, we, we exactly. going to live in this reality yeah. Yeah. Entire, entire time wow well Bernie 2016 I think that Bernie and Killer Mike Killer Mike though. is the dream team yeah, I think that's too. that's that's it's the one thing Mike that's our, if Bernie, you want to know what I think yeah, the hope yeah. the one hope no, <laughs> but like uh, bring the, the country together yeah I mean I think that I think that there are, like I said I think there are very concrete things that can be done um, in terms of how we police and how we prison imprison people yeah. um, but that takes a certain amount of political capital and political will sure. that I think is very difficult to garner unless Everyone, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of, there's so many people in this country that vote um, without their best, their own best interests in mind. Voting for, uh, uh, for, for, for people who vote, their, you know, for vote for local offices, for national office, for their state elected officials. Um, I think there are, I think the Republican Party has done a brilliant job of getting, uh, of using fear and, uh, you sure. know, uh, you, can, you can stop at fear. I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's, yeah. From Jim Crow yeah. on yeah. to right. you know, from the minute that black folks were free, that they became like that the Republican or then the Southern Democrats did it. But I think right. white power structures. I shouldn't say Republicans because it yeah. changed. I mean, a hundred years right. ago or it was different. Sixty yeah. years ago, the Southern Democrats looked very de- you know, yeah, Democratic absolutely. Party. But white power structures do a very good job of of um, of manipulating uh, poor white folks. To do things that aren't in their best interest. Yeah. Yes. Excellent so. point. Well, when um, I originally asked you to join us uh, what, uh, last week or such, it was uh, not that I've, I've always wanted you on. No, I course, yeah. But, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't for the race and comedy episode <laughs> you were waiting for. It, well, well, it was in response <laughs> to um, the tragic passing of Khalif uh, uh, Browder. Yeah. Um, this, this story really really affected me and um, I know you have dealt with um, as you were saying young men of color at uh, at, at Goso um, with with kids in the so-called rehabilitation system and Khalid for those of you who don't know he spent three years at Rikers without being convicted of a crime and, um, and I, I know you know the answer to this how, how often does this happen how I mean, um, I, if you're if you happen to get arrested in the Bronx, you're fucked. Yeah. I mean, you're and you don't have, you know, if you don't have the resources, which sometimes are a dollar, which is really fucking sad. But if you if bail is set for one dollar, and say that you have happened to have been had a relationship with your grandmother or mom that has been alienated, you know, that you've alienated yourself from your family and, and your girl, whoever, that you're, you've, some person, some, some person can't, you, you and look, look at how, I mean, if you're like, 
you know, it, it ha- like if you hopefully you would know one person who could generate a buck. Sure. But if you've done some dumb shit, mm-hmm. you know, like stole from your fucking grandma or like out of desk, whatever it is, like or, or not, yeah, or I just been accused. Like, I even know some people who, whose family aren't going to give them a million dollars. Right. So if you burnt your bridges, yeah. yeah, they but they probably well I don't know I don't want to assume sure anything. Get a dollar. Well, no, or they wouldn't have, the bail wouldn't have been set for a dollar. Yeah, they might yeah. have been like given an ROR, you know, yeah. released on a sure. reconnaissance. They can just come back when. You know, one of the, the there's been a lot of research on this that like the the door that you walk into the courtroom from is the door that you're going to exit the courtroom from, right? So if you walk into the the front door of the courthouse and walk in, go sit in front of the judge. Yeah. Throughout this is throughout the adjudication process, right? This is from you know from arraignment through all the way till final decision or whatever. You go if it, no, but nothing like ninety percent of of cases in New York City get settled. There's a settlement. They don't go to. They don't. They don't blow trial or whatever. So, uh, and I, I can talk about that too because that's actually like one of the most unconstitutional things that happens yeah. in our system. Is that I'll just talk about it right yeah, now. Ahead. Like, so well, this happened with Khalif Brad, right? Like, he was offered. He was actually. Um, well, this is actually the opposite. He was offered after whatever two and a half years uh, was offered a deal that he could just walk, right? But yeah, he would have had a, take it at that But he would have had a record. It was when they had to dig up the new judge. Yeah, and the she, judge, and so the, she was just trying to clear her house, right? Yeah. So in the Bronx, why I specifically mentioned the Bronx is that it has, like, in some cases, like a two-year turnover from, the, from wow. when you get arrested until when your case actually, you go wow. back and forth. You Before know, we your had case kids actually goes to... That you're actually getting arraigned. Arraigned. Yeah. So that you're, uh, so you're, you know, you're going back and forth. Uh, and uh, is there? No, no, yeah, no. Keep no. talking. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Uh, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> goals. Just uh, looked at each other and threw Paul off. Uh, no, yeah. sorry. I, was, uh, wait, I, um, <laughs> I just can't believe it's two years. What so it's amazing. So, uh, so what they, you know, they this judge, this like kind of uh, tough judge, judge that was known for clearing cases, was brought in, and was uh, gave. Khalif a, a deal, but the deal that he was given, he would have had to accept responsibility for the act that he was charged yeah. with, and would have had a record, but he would have walked right out, and he said, no, he didn't want to do it. Um, what, Never at any point right. did he want to make guilt. Yeah. What, and so, what, and he may have been, he probably was told this, I don't know uh, if he was or not, but what many of the young men that I worked with uh, were told was that, um, here's a deal, you know, it's, I'm offering you a year on, right, you know, I'll give you a city year, which is often colloquially referred to as a bullet. Uh, I'll give you a bullet. You'll do, um, you know, four months and be home, you know. And uh, and if you don't take that, you've been a char- you know, you've been charged with uh, robbery in, in the third. Uh, if you go to trial uh, and lose, I'm yeah, telling 15, you now, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you now, I'm going to give you the maximum sentence. Yeah. To me, that's a, a blatant violation sure. of our constitutional Absolutely. right for right. due process and for... A, a, you know, and also obviously for the Bronx system, of a speedy trial. But so, so they're being pressured into plead guilty just to avoid right. potential. Yeah, and so sentence. yeah, so which is even guaranteed. Yeah, and the longer a case uh, drags on, right. the the from what I've read, the, the more pressure is put on right. them. It's like a scare tactic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now because we're so let's just clear it out. Yes, yeah, like yeah, and because right. you and you know the the reality is the chances of them winning are not great sure. because. There, you either have a, a legal aid lawyer, um, sure. who many of whom are like some of the hardest working people I've ever met, okay. um, but also have stacks of. It's like a bad. It's like what out of like a, you know, a bad drama or like a. It's like a cartoon version of what yeah. you would think an over 
worked front real, and defense the attorney. There's photos of I've phones, walked yeah. into legal aid offices and they're literally, you, you can't, can't see the, the person's, yeah. <laughs> uh, or they get an 18B lawyer. 18B is, uh, are basically um, lawyers who, it's uh, like uh, Sal from Better Call yeah, better or Saul better, from Better, better Call Saul. Saul in there. He'll like so well one. he was so he's like an ATB lawyer where he yeah. go you know he goes to the window and talks to the young lady and, and brings her, you know, his his stuff down or whatever. Uh, so like that you might well Saul you might want actually. But yeah. most of the ATB lawyers are these like really schlubby dudes that uh, they get paid if they're in a regular private practice they would charge you two hundred and fifty bucks an hour. The state pays them seventy five bucks an hour. They don't give a shit about your case. They don't listen to you they just want, you know, they, they again, I'm making generalizations yeah. for the sake of this conversation, but sure. this is what it, it is. We know it's not everybody. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the, you're, you're, you're kind of fucked. So you're stuck. And right, dude, I was interviewing a kid the other day, um, for, uh, this a new program that I'm working with, uh, called Stargate theater company. Um, that's through Manhattan theater club where it's a, it's a summer youth program that, uh, works with formerly incarcerated young men, and teaches them the theater making process and they get paid to do it seven weeks and at the end they get to put on a show awesome. at the at a Manhattan Theater Club space. And I was interviewing this kid and he kinda like is hot shit. Like he had a little bit of swag, like he and he brought like he he's an MC and he's he, he well he, yeah, his SoundCloud is so good. Like oh, he yeah. sent it to me. It's so actually really really fucking good. Uh, and but he he was uh, the one that like, I was like, yeah, this kid's kind of like, I was like, do I like this kid? Because that's like part of, I mean, obviously I'm an objective social worker, but like, sure. I'm like, do I actually like this kid? Uh, is he too foolish? Like, and then he, he talked about how he had spent one night on Rikers mm-hmm. and it was the scariest fucking night of his life. Yeah. And I was like, and it was like, oh, this kid, like, I like, I mean, because the fact that he was like, because you meet so many kids that it's like this, like, they, 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 they it's a right, it's a, yeah, they put on this like hard experience. Right. It's they a right of passage. Right? To, yeah. Or maybe it is a right of passage, but like, he was like, that was the scariest fucking place I've ever been. And he's like this and, you know, 16-year-old uh, kid. He should never have been there in the first place because he's 16. But he goes to Rikers. Where does it start? So, uh, no, Rikers starts at 16. So you say, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, Jennifer... Can you imagine a, 50, a 16-year-old me at Rikers, Mikey? Yeah. No, yes. <laughs> Don't make me. No. Don't yeah. make me. Uh, yeah, no, but in Jennifer um, Goderman's article, that's the one that is yeah. in the New York, that kind of, he's called Before the Law, which kind of let everybody know about, you know, Khalif's case, um, said that of the 8 million people in New York City, there are 11,000 in jails, most are in Rikers, and the, um, this is what I want to ask you about, the male... They're unsentenced, by the way. Unsentenced, yeah. yeah. The male adolescents are confined in the Robert and uh, Daverin Center, it's known R-N-D-C. as RNDC. Yeah, it used to be uh, RNDC, they're always named met, after, oh yeah. Have you always, what's, what's, what... Can you tell us anything? I mean, what, what's, it, what's I, it like? It would be disingenuous for me to tell you what it's like to, to be in the be, dorms be there. of, of RNDC. What do they mean after? I was curious about what you said. Oh, they're, they're, so they're always named after a retired um, corrections officer. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. So... Uh, face, you know? Yeah, and, and what, what the thing that I will... I can, I can comment a lot about what my experience of being on Rikers Island is. Um, I never really spent a lot of time in day rooms. We did have we and Gideon Sangat has amazing dedicated staff who goes into the day rooms to recruit guys. What's a, what's a day room? A day room is like what you would see in uh, you know like in Oz or you know where or the day room is like a room. So sorry. It's so not like the cell. It's where so it's not the cell. So there's like open like an open yeah. area. But R N D C though R N D C actually isn't even like R N D C is like a series. It's like a um, it's like a um, 
just a series of beds. Yeah. It's not like a. And you said, then, then right, it's not. It's got their pail. Right. It's not like one, yeah. So because it's not like I've been in. I've been in um, some of the uh, the adult facilities, and there are. It's more of like you've got your cells. You know, then you have like open. You got the sure. plastic tables sure, where people sure. can can hang out, right. can do whatever. Then you got your day room where people can watch TV, okay. you know, whatever. And then you got your phone. It's like it, it does look like it would. Like it's look. It's been portrayed in Law yeah. and Order or wherever else, and it looks like that. Yeah. Um, but RNDC is like more of like a demented fucking summer camp, like a dorm, like a big camp dorm kind of like thing. Like I'm picturing like barracks. Yeah, like, sorry, like rows what, yeah, and rows barracks. of like triple bunks. Yeah. Something like that. In my yeah. mind, I don't know. Right, and so there's no, there's no, I mean, there's one thing about, like, this is why kids, it's talked about in that article, and I know many, many kids, uh, kids who have chosen to do this, uh, to get into a fight or to go to mental health services, anything to get into the shoe. Yeah. Uh, the special housing, yeah, so to get in the special housing unit, because that there there actually is a door that sure. you're behind. You know, you have some uh, versus being in the open. You know, if you're not like if you don't have a, a crew or a clique, if you yeah, don't like if you're just like, dude. brother was even advising him to get into fights, to get thrown into the bling. So yeah, the bing. Yeah, the bing. I yeah. apologize. Um, you know, anything to get away from the the, the common situations. Yeah, and I've, I've known I know upstate Rikers many many young men who have chosen to do that. The one thing that is in the article, and this is, you know, um, I don't know if it's more trivial, but it's very real, is that she ta- they talk about, like, the flight path. Like, he talks about, like, the flight path, like, being underneath the flight path. It is unnerving when flights are coming in and out of, like, the you know, the flight path or the runway at LaGuardia that kind of runs um, perpendicular to um, the airport. You know, there's the, the that one... It, you're, you know, you could hit a rock. You know, you could, you could hit a plane with a rock from, from, from Rikers. From Rikers. So it, it shakes. It's, it's like it's, it's so fucking loud. And those dude. planes are landing perpetually every like. Yeah, they start at like four a.m. Yeah, and they, yeah. the, the, I mean, it's a commuter airport, dude. Course. It's all day long. Uh, I mean, it, for me, it's like I, uh, um, you know, it seems like we have more people in prison than we do teachers or nurses. You know, mm-hmm. and it just seems like, you know. Um, we have a society that emphasizes incarceration over rehabilitation, you know? And I just feel like, you know, these barracks probably exist because these prisons are overcrowded, you know? Because there's this backlog. Everything just seems sort of like, they're all just sort of trying to put a band-aid on a problem, you know? And it's creating more problems. And then you end up with something like this that happened with Khalif, you know? And it, it's really sad, you know? And I mean, um, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, what, what does it say about our society that, you know, this is where we're at, you know? Yeah, that, oh, it's just that we don't, that, that we don't give a shit about people. You just you know? want them tucked away, right? Yeah. I mean, we don't like. Um, there's, there's a. I think a uh, a lack of um, empathy on like a, a colossal scale, right? Like in terms of who we give a shit about. Uh, Un- until money comes into the picture, and and then well, we, then, then we care about you. We'll put we'll put you somewhere else, right? I mean, right. Until like you know, until you know. Obviously, there's there's a lot of money to be made. Uh, in human storage okay. business, and and there's a lot Pri- of states privatization of yeah, it's uh, big business, prisons. and there the and incentive for more prisons, for more prisoners. It's um, yep, shitty services, shitty, shitty services. Um, and there's also like there's you know I've met uh, COs, corrections officers uh, in my time that were very uh, compassionate, decent human beings, um, but I've also had COs just tell me like what the fuck are you doing here? This is a giant. I've had more COs. 
who looked at me like I was crazy for being at Rikers uh, than the ones who were like, oh, what you're doing here is really great. I hope this kid that, that I, I hope this kid right. that never comes back here. Right. Most of them, their their paycheck, you know, depends on having, you know, being in the business that they're in, and it's, they make good money. The CEOs make a lot of money. They do. Yeah, they make like I mean, they can make exorbitant amounts of money with overtime and shit. And they, the Rikers is, I mean, they keep that place staffed up. Uh, more than I think it's like the 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 CO to, to inmate ratio is one of the highest in the country, which is uh, crazy. which is because it's still which, the most violent. Which which is, yeah, it's, it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's yeah, good. It's, yeah. uh, people I are still dying. Tell that. you how disgusted yeah. I was with that surveillance video of, of oh, like, getting jumped and. And the guy, well, those guys, those fucking guys were just overwhelmed, dude. Like, yeah, what? This yeah. guy, what were they going to do? I mean, and even he has many stories of, um, you know, the COs. Oh, yeah. Ass. And that's a, that's a, a known, you know, uh, COs challenging dudes to fights yeah. uh, is a, you know, that it's really interesting that, like I mentioned, upstate, that you have, you have white, largely white men um, who are in charge for keeping the inmates, you know, they're, you know, keeping society in general safe, but they, you know they have a pecking order of what their responsibilities are. Right? It's like society safe, us safe, inmates safe. So you have that upstate where it's like this racial dynamic of of white people from rural white folks and urban black and brown folks, and then but Rikers is very different. Rikers is that most you know the the majority of COs at Rikers are people of color, yeah. um, from my experience. Um, and um, and they they you know live in you know they come from a lot of the same communities a lot of the dudes who end up there um, I don't know that anybody's ever really done any like research on that but it's always been pretty kind of fascinating to me um, the dynamics uh, at the upstate facilities and and on Rikers Island to what happens yeah. Rikers that's it's intense down there to say the least but. Um, Let's, let's, let's turn a little bit brighter. While uh, working at Getting Out, Staying Out, um, it's from, from what the webpage says, and it, it seems like you guys were pretty successful. The website states that um, less than 10% of the participants in the program uh, went back into the system. This is opposed to an average of 67% nationally. I mean, that's, that's quite a gap. Uh, uh, what's... What's 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 the secret? Yeah, how, how, how are you guys? Let's see, Max. So I think that what getting out and staying out um, always did a really good job, and I think continues to do is to uh, take a genuine interest in every human being that they work with. Oh, uh, well, uh, a personal touch. If yeah, you know, like that. Mentioned. That I know that when I was there. What I the, the philosophy that I tried to bring to it every day, um, and what I tried to kind of teach the staff or train the staff and the interns that we had over the years um, was to just be super curious, always remain curious, uh, always ask why, um, always want to know how the dudes that you're sitting across from got to where they are, yeah. and but don't you know, and but also bring knowledge, bring institutional knowledge of the system. Bring um, you know it's funny when we were rewriting our mission statement at GoSo, um, we kept going back and forth because we wanted to talk about like how they, they you know would do you know they would never go back you know to avoid reincarceration to avoid um, but we were like it's such bullshit like because there's so much systemically that our dudes face that like no matter what we do 
Like, we can't, we're not changing the larger systems. We're not changing police practices. We're not changing over-policing. And so we're like, we can't say that we're, you know, that our, you know, it's like, because we're not, we're not changing the larger system. Yeah, how you, know, you, you talk about credit. How much credit can you take when there's Well, that? yeah, credit, but also just like, you know, it's like, I forget, we were going back and forth, it's like, um, to the young man, you know, to like, enable them, whatever, with the, the tools they need to be successful yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, get out and stay out was the, you know, was the original thing. Like, And it's just, bold. you can't say that. You can't just say like, because we're, because we could, a guy could do everything right. Um, and still get and still, still get thrown back and in still get thrown some, back in yeah. um, and then get stuck there yep. you know and not be able to get uh, I mean, that's what's so sad about Cleve like you know it's probably it's highly likely that what he was accused of he did right there yeah. was like the evidence there's, there's no evidence to suggest it and there was never any presented there was no yeah um, not and so the you could be 654 whatever days and so you can if you you know if you get caught up in that and you don't have the resources to fight it, you're 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 pretty, you know, you're fucked. Um, and so, yeah, that was that's the, the one of the most challenging parts about the work was always um, was dudes who were like, and then there were guys who were doing really well when they did get in a fight with their girlfriend, and then their girlfriend like, not to, that I'm blaming all girlfriends for everything that ever went wrong, but they, you know, guy would get in a fight with his girlfriend, the girlfriend would call the PO and be like, he was out, you know, late last night, or he was out. You know, um, and uh, and dudes would get like you know snatched up for for curfew violations, violations. or you know. I mean, is is it? It seems like the the recidivism rate. I mean, it's sort of stacked against you. I mean, like you can work as hard as you can on the individual, but as soon as they get out into the bigger world, I mean, there's all this stuff working against them. You know, Mm -hmm. it seems like it's it's there's too many people involved, and there's too much opportunity for it to go wrong. You know, it just seems like it's it's a losing battle. You know, in the current state, it is. Right. I mean, so what we, and it's really hard. I mean, one of the, uh, the hardest parts of my, um, and this sounds kind of ridiculous because it's, I'm saying what the hardest part for me was, fuck what it's hard for me, but the, the guy sitting across from me is like, um, but what was a fucking challenge would be like, um, to like tell a dude, you know, like it's unfair. Yeah. But you, but okay, now you still have to do these things. Like in the face of all of these, you know, in the face of, of, you know, one of the great lines of Obama's eulogy was like, "Why we called you know Johnny and not Jamal back, right?" Like, the like that was my one of my. I mean, to me, that was like the most powerful, one of the most powerful, other than fucking Amazing Grace. Uh, and like, so to to you know to, um, it's one thing when you're like a kid and your dad's like, "Well, life's not fair," you yeah. know. But that's fucking that's fine because life isn't fair, but you're still you know you still have a white penis, as Chris said. Exactly. Um, you know, to, to tell a dude who maybe has been locked up for a couple of years on some shit that he may or may not have had anything to do with, and if it was, maybe it was a much smaller role than it had anything to do with, or if he was a white dude, who whatever it is, like, to then be like, okay, well, you know, you do have a felony, it's unfair, but if you work really hard, and I, and the thing is, like, it's not, not true, too, like, it is, like, if you work really hard, go back to school, get your education, like, Opportunities will you will put yourself in a better opportunity. Yeah, you're stacking the odds in your favor. Right, and we would always say like, things to go right. Mr. G, who's a crazy old white man who started Goso, um, he's somebody you should have him on this thing. Yeah, uh, he's a fucking madman, but he, um, he. I mean, talk about good. He's a registered Republican who started this fucking reentry program, but um, he would always say he would say he's not really he, there's no way he could back up his fucking Republican views <laughs> at this point he would, he would if he was here now he'd admit it he'd crumble uh, yeah he 
But what he, this was his kind of, and I don't know, other people may have said this, but that it was really, um, and again, it was always a tough thing to sell people, but it's true that, like, you know, when you first come home from, say, you go upstate, we had a lot of guys that we worked with. We had guys that were 28, 30, 35 in the program that we met originally on Rikers that went upstate, you know, um, and did their, you know, if you get sentenced to more than a year, you go into the upstate prison system. So, uh, we get guys who come home and they're like, you know, when you first come home, like, you're the dude who's got the felony, you know, uh, robbery charge. Um, and then let's say you, you know, you go to school and then he would always talk about like how it would be like, you know, your grandmother's at the store or whatever. And like they're that shitty neighbor who's like, oh, you're, you know, your son's home. The one who, the boy, he did the robbery or whatever. Like, well, you know, and then, so your grandma's like, well, yeah, he's home, but he's doing well. And then it's like, so then you go from being like the dude who just got home due to the robbery. Like now he's in school, you know, you enroll in a GD class or, you know, you enroll in community college. And then your grandma would be like, no, no, well, now he's a, he's a college student now, or he's got his GED. Uh, and then it's like, you know, then you get, you are a college graduate or whatever. And then it's like, you're, you, you, the more things that you can put between yourself in this, in this, this letter that, to, that's, to start you know, changing the definition. Of right. Yourself. You start redefining who you are yeah. um, through education and, and through um, being a good human being. I mean, I worked with guys who were, who were convicted of like heinous sexual offenses um, and uh, and I would tell him like, I was like you know I'd be like the, the circle of people who give a shit about you is so small right now and they're the circle of people who fucking think that you should die alone in a hole are pretty massive <laughs> like uh, but you have like the small group like us at Goso and maybe some other folks like maybe an uncle or not someone in your family um, or maybe not maybe it's just us or it's and it's you like and like my challenge to you is uh to make that circle get larger by the acts that you do on a daily basis. Yeah. So try and be the best human being you can be, treat people with dignity and respect, even though people are not going to treat you systemically or individually, like try and make the circle of people who give a shit about you. And I, like my hope and what I, the bill of goods I was fucking selling was that that would grow. <laughs> right. with the, so you're selling them a long view, you know? Right. Like, well, it has to be. Like, it has to be, right? Well, so it's a lot easier to tell, again, like my old man has a lot of, says a lot of things, but uh, he... It's always, you know, he always preached that life is a marathon yeah. and life is not a sprint. And that, again, that's an, that's an easier uh, philosophy to buy into yeah. um, when you have a safety net and you have resources. That's um, a good point. feel like a sprint when you right, don't. When you've got, you know, everything feels like a sprint. Yeah. And so to tell a dude um, who doesn't have, nowhere he's sleeping that night, who doesn't have the shelter, the shelter system is fucking, in many times, in a lot of ways, worse than fucking jail. Yeah. Uh, Wow. To tell a dude like life's you know slow down like, yeah. it's a marathon it's like fuck <laughs> you I don't know where I'm like I haven't got a food to eat. I, you know I don't have my fucking food stamps don't kick in for fucking two weeks they give me the fucking run around because I don't have the right ID but you know and so and but so again I'm super negative but yes yeah. getting out and staying out the, we did I think the key to our success was one the dudes chose to do it. Yeah. So it was self-selected. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't forced into your right. System. No one was. That's a big like, deal. There were some that were their, their POs made them come, sure. but okay. the vast majority chose to do it. Um, I think that also says a lot about us as a program and the way that we recruited people, yeah. the way that we, the way that we were very honest and transparent and kind of sold who we were and what we could do and what we couldn't do and not overpromise and underdeliver. And um, he also says something about the the person too who's coming yeah. to you. I mean, like they haven't given up. They're willing. So they're they're willing. That, yeah. I mean, that was MG, MG, you know, he's, uh, he loves Martin Luther King and, 
he would always he would always quote like without hope there's nothing you know yeah. and and that was that we would try and be you know we would try and t- always try and find help dudes find some hope or belief that uh, no matter how stacked the deck was yeah, that like something, something positive and these small victory and small victories do I mean this is almost like what Obama was like that small victories add up yeah, and that yeah. there's uh, they're not nothing they're not nothing. Uh, nothing. Getting your GED is fucking not nothing, dude. Deal. There's no way. Well, maybe you, Tom. Maybe I don't know, Tom. You could do it. The pass the math section of <laughs> the G of the GED, which is no longer called the GED in New York State. There's no way. Yeah. I, could, I know I couldn't. And I <laughs> yeah. bet you a thousand dollars you couldn't pass it, Mikey. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, uh, maybe I. But I'm just projecting. Let's print it out right now and do it. Yeah, we should. It's good radio. It actually would be like you, you, to have me try to figure out one algebra problem would be. Uh, it's been a long time too. I can't imagine it's like riding a bike. You remember so. PEMDAS, Mikey? You got your order operations done, son. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Yeah. Um, so See, that's why Tom is gonna. I know. There's no doubt he's passing it. There's no no doubt at all. But uh, I think too kind. I think it's time for the most. Awkward transition of all comedy. Young, uh, I'd rather laugh. Interviewing. I mean, I think people. we got a good segue right here. Um, you know? yeah. No, I think I got something to soften the blow. I, was I will say this though, actually, before yeah, I'll fuck with that, I'm gonna ruin your transition. No, no, um, no, no, not there. I'm not that, the do, so the the um, the sense of humor that the guys at Goso had was a hu- that was a big part of how I, as a just as someone who was trying to be an agent of change yeah. in their lives. Like what I would leverage was, or just tapping into their sense of humor and sure. like their love, like the uh, ability to um, just fucking you know take what the world, all the shit was dumping on them, and still be able to fucking ha- like make a brilliant joke yeah. about whatever Caught on. you know, like to, yeah, to, like to just find. Um, the human strength and and, and levity yeah, and lots of self-deprecation. Yeah, and I use it as a tool all the time. I mean, I, mean, I you know I would say <laughs> fucking ridiculous say. shit <laughs> to the guys I worked with. Um, a borderline, not borderline, terribly inappropriate thing. <laughs> yeah. If I thought it would help with the rapport, if it would help me build connection with the guy, I've said all types of fucking crazy. I'm not you know I'm like a I'm the I'm the um, What's her name? Who's the lady who this was... Is the, uh, this is the, how I was going to soften the blow. It's, it's Rachel um, Dolezal. Dole. No, no, I was... <laughs> yeah, no, I've actually been black. I've been, no, I was... Well, I, mean, um, it, it, it would, I wanted uh, to be black. Have you ever thought of becoming black to further your career in social work? Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, people should know this about me, that um, when I was five years old, I was my mom and I were in the car, and my mom was my best friend from the, for that time, and... Uh, we were at the drive-thru. You guys are still pretty tight. We were. We were just debating, yeah, as Mikey heard on the way up, we were debating um, whether or not the Beatles would be worth seeing without John Lennon. And I said that they would. I think She so. did, too. My dad said it would be worth it. Um, anyways, George Harrison was my mom's favorite Beatle. Um, my mom and I were in the car together. I was five years old, and we were driving around, and all of a sudden I just started bawling. And my mom was like, "What? <laughs> what are, what's wrong with you? <laughs> And I was like, and I just I was like, I couldn't even get it out. But like, ah, just like, slow down, slow down. What? Just slow down. Tell me what's. Wrong. I was like, ah, I'm not black. <laughs> and she's like, What do you mean? Like you're crying. I'm like, I'm not black. I'll never be black. And it's your fault. <laughs> um, so so I've blamed, always, you blamed your mom for your. Of course, lack I, of yeah, I, I did she blame. She had a role in it. She did play a major role <laughs> in my lack of being. She was half of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but I also dressed like Michael Jackson 
uh, for the first or from the point, daily. Yeah, from the time that I was able to cho- choose what I could wear. That must have been one grimy glove, dude. They called my kindergarten teacher, threatened to call child protective services because that, that glove was so grimy. It had lost all of the sequins. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a white, <laughs> it's a white dirty glove. glove. Dude, I, dude, I could still fuck. I could still, <laughs> yeah. like, I, still I could still flick my wrist. I could still fucking twirl. Oh, oh man, oh. better than no glove at all. No, but I've never thought about to answer your question, Mikey. I've never thought about going in. Um, you know, I've also, it's, you know, there's a, social workers have to, it's a challenge for social workers. You know, I, I actually work with a woman who, um, she is one of the like sweetest, most caring. She's the recruiter for getting out, staying out. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is, um, I think brilliant and kind and full of empathy and compassion and more committed to social justice than that. I mean, than anyone I know. Sure. Um, or not, I mean, she's up there for sure um, and she is uh, she was raised by her stepfather who was black um, he was Caribbean uh, he's Jamaican and um, and she went to Brooklyn College was in all black sorority she's white I don't know if I said that at the top mm-hmm. um, didn't. and, and she um, you know I don't she doesn't identify as a Black, like she would never like fucking. I mean, it's been very interesting to follow her comments on this on like Facebook. She would never fake that her father. She would never, yeah, she would never because her, yeah, because her, the but the you know, she has two fathers, you know, her her mom remarried, she's very close with both of her fathers, Mm -hmm. but a big part of her child and her identity was formed around this Jamaican identity and this Jamaican heritage, and um, and it's a challenge. She, you know, as as a growing social worker, I think it's uh, to this her authentic self is. You know what speaks is like someone who would someone would call it like oh you talk black or you speak yeah. urban or you you yeah. know whatever like someone who didn't have the Giant. nuance to understand like you're speaking chat <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, I would but that's uh, just her being herself it. and that's just her being herself right. and like and she was challenged in like social work school to be like you're you're like culturally appropriating people's identity to to join with them and she was like nah, fuck you this is nah, me you know like. Yeah. Um, Don't put a label on me. Right. I was always, but it's as a as a white social worker, like it was always this, like for me, um, and as a therapist and, and trying to like build rapport with people, um, it was always like how much, because uh, I also like you know I, I'm I'm I've become more square over the years, but like I used to like fall, you know I used to be more uh, streets is watching, like I used yeah. to know what was happening and more in terms of like just uh, it, more it, I'm become more detached from like. Hip hop. You used things. to spin hip hop records, right? I used to, yeah. yeah so DJ Lunch Lady Arms, yeah. DJ Lunch Lady Arms <laughs> could be caught in, you know, Let's late at night uh, spinning records. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I uh, <laughs> but I've, again, I've never no, thought about. No. I've never thought of no. This is long. What Maybe up? the answer is yes, and this is, I'm just dodging around, I'm dancing around. No, the answer is no. Uh, what got you into to improv? Uh, the yeah, trying to. I think you touched on it on the on your intro uh, that um, you were looking for some sort of. I was looking for something. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I've always. I come from a you know an Irish Catholic. Uh, you know, I'm half Polish, half Irish in terms of my you know the hair lineage and culture and and uh, the Irish Catholic side of my family for sure is falls into those like standard like <clears throat> uses comedy to 
to fight off any real emotion. Right. <laughs> um, just undercut reality. Yeah, yeah. just like it's and, quite a tool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the sharp. best. It's, it's a sharp blade. It's, it's so you. good. Yeah. Uh, and so that I always was fairly quick. I was the youngest in my family. Uh, my brother, I think, my uh, the two funniest people in my um, who I've ever met, I think, are my are my grandfather on the Irish side, uh, and my my brother. And I spent most of my life trying to make them laugh, mostly my brother, but any holiday uh, trying to make my grandfather laugh. And so when I was fucking stressed out and bugging out, Stacy, who's my wife, um, had recommended, you know, you think you're funny, you are funny, but you think you're funnier than you are, like. Why don't you like? Don't be. A, and she was like, she's a I remember we were sitting having dinner one night, and she's like, the worst thing you could do is just like talk about taking an improv class. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. there's nothing worse than the dude that's like, yeah, I'm thinking about getting an improv. Yeah. Think about writing um, a novel. Yeah, <laughs> think about yeah. Like, it is that like? Um, and so I just took a class, and then uh, I haven't stopped yeah. ever since. Every what week was, since uh, then, basically. What was the hardest part about getting into it? What, uh, it was like, and this has been true of like the acting piece too. Of like, just I for whatever reason, I've, I've come. I come from like such a supportive environment uh like you know familial environment and but i've always been afraid to because i always think i've i think i've wanted to be an actor um my entire life and i was always scared like i used to dress and i think a lot of kids did this but i would like dress up and like my and clothes like i would pretend like i was like a new kid on like nkotb like i would go in my sister's room (laughs) like she had this this is after michael jackson Jackson. yeah i went into like a okay nkotb phase i went like it's weird i went like michael jackson nkotb uh like grunge no like more like a like kind of a hip-hoppy kind of thing grunge um, back into like a beast, not just a very saying. specific Beastie Boy, and then into <laughs> like, and then Neo, uh, Mike D, yeah. and then Neo Hippie. So um, you're always, was like you're a, always putting. I was always right, always. Yeah. and I would always joke around that like social work. I would like, I was like, I'm not even a good social worker. I just play a good one on TV. Yeah, like yeah. I, so I, you're, you felt yeah. Like with, I, I think therapy and there's some level of acting to doing social, clinical social worker therapy, uh, and so anyway, yeah. So um, it, yeah, so. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. I talked to an old a friend of ours that we went to high school with who recommended uh, The Pit because it wasn't... Um, and in some ways, I kind of regret not going to UCB. What um, she's saying, that it was, the pit it was is less like, competitive, yeah, like UCB, Everyone who goes it. to UCB like has their heart set on SNL or, yeah. you know... I see. And, which I think is not, you know, necessarily a bad thing because I think it yeah. generates good work. Yeah. Um, the Pit... You're shooting for the stars. I found a very good home for, you know, a good comedic home very, it is support like the people I've met like over the years some people who will probably I'll be you know I consider best friends and who I'll be friends with for the rest of my life or until they wrong me in some sort of way um, or I wrong them wrong, yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah so that's how it that's how it got going let's uh, uh, you feel oh, what was the hardest part was that the, uh, yeah just doing it actually I guess just sorry just, I, yeah, just, I answered uh, that yeah. what's um that rush of the uh, and they're gonna ask me that rush song. And I was gonna tell you, I, I only know the they, one. They, they were at the garden last night. <laughs> I know there was a lot of rush. Yeah, yeah. I think that's their last tour. It's prog rock at its finest. But um, that rush of being on stage, that uh, I mean, to me, seems scary as hell. Going up there each time with with no plan or little plan. Uh, it, it pretty intense high. Is that what keeps you, some people, keep you coming back? Some people snort for it. Yeah. Some <laughs> people inject a vein for it. All you gotta do is jump. Uh, no, it One is. Thing uh, I left out of uh, Paul's bio in the beginning. He is who do you play? He, Agent he's, Harp. He's in uh, Point Break Live. If you haven't seen it, go see it. July seventeenth at uh, Highline Ballroom. Uh, 
cool. So, yeah, I think that that high is the best high that I've... And it's a high that I've... You know, if you've ever... and You know, like, you know, Mikey and I, we, you know, uh, grew up, we spent a lot of our formative years in high school. It's like, it's the same thing to me as, like, if we were, like, like smoking weed and getting drunk on some kid's back deck... And like you're in the zone, you're in the pocket, you know, like you're in the zone, and you're, you're making, you got everybody, you're just right. killing, just got your friends, and your friends can't your catch their breath, yeah. they can't catch their breath, and they're crying, Falling like over. stop, stop, yeah. and you can't stop because it's like uh, that feeling. It's the best, you know. I've been high on on on. on I shouldn't say almost all drugs because there's ones the kids make all this, there's, all there's the designers. I don't know about this. I haven't ever done a moon rocks. <laughs> moon rocks. <laughs> yeah, which is like what all the kids do now. I think it's just X. Is there a difference between moon rocks and yeah, MDMA? It's, it's, it's just yeah. MDMA. It's anyway, I'm gonna try it. But, uh, <laughs> the, but I, yeah, it's the high. It's the it's a but it's fleeting like any yeah. other good highs. I guess. Yes. But it's because then you want to just keep doing it. And I think people. I don't do stand up, but I've heard stand ups the same. same like when thing. you kill and stand up, or I mean, do you go someplace or something like that? I mean, like like. Like, are you just, like, in the moment? I mean, like, is it some kind of combination it's or something? The thing that I, yeah, yeah, the thing that I compare, the thing I compare it to um, is to, because it's what I've known. Well, like, the two things, like, that I would compare it to are, like, being in the zone playing basketball. Like, being where, like, just where there's no, and that's, this is, I wish I, like, had remembered this so I could quote it better or reference it and could send people to this article. But I read an article about, these neurologists who did a study on jazz musicians and they put like the little white, you know, they put the sucker things on yeah. the brain and they were doing scans Looking and, the different parts and of the brain you know, the part of like judgment of self judgment and fear. Um, the one the thing, the thing that tells us like, we're not good enough. You know, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, that. yeah, yeah. don't, um, it like shuts out. Like when jazz, like when the jazz players are like fucking fully, receiving and giving all yes. at the same time yes. and like so when everything is happening yeah. yeah like and that that like that that thing that fucking voice that's like don't hit that like don't go hit that crash right now it's the wrong time to hit the crash or don't take the shot right now or don't make this move on don't like you know walk on stage and you know yeah. be the fucking goofy governor yeah. or whatever the fuck <laughs> and, like it sounds stupid but like to do uh, like those things are gone like those they don't and it's like yeah. especially in either whether it's like basketball or it's a team sport or music um, or improv and I'm sure it happens with stand-up too though I know it does because like, it's the back deck mm-hmm. stoner you know being stone 16 like being dialed in um, that uh, I think you do go you do yeah. whatever I don't know if you, wherever you go that part of your brain mm-hmm. that tells you you're wrong and you're not good enough is gone is shuts out it's completely. Awesome. It's awesome. It's like a deeper level level of consciousness. Like yeah, that. and you like forget all about it. Yeah, the, like the true shows and let everything come through. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's talking about it with guitarists all the time. Yeah. Yeah, like the, there's something whether it's you know whatever you believe in that there's yeah. like something and whether it's just like because there are definitely you the vessel, there are, man. well there are waves the right like yeah. that's what my old man always waves. convinced that like because my mom's you know as you know is. Um, um, She's a seer, right? She's good. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, she's good point. Yeah. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, her, her, she used to go to a clairvoyant who told her about my coke habit when we were, uh, <laughs> night or whatever, Damn. 22. Uh, and, uh, but so she, uh, my dad's, conv- and my dad's a very, like, he's a, kind of a stoic, uh, uh, logical, re- he's a man of reason. But he still he believes that he like that my mom really does, and that all it is is waves. Yeah. But she picks up on that. There we didn't know radio waves existed till whenever, right? We didn't know that like the, we were discovering waves all the time, right? Yeah. Like, or I don't know if we are. I, that seems like a nice idea. But that there are waves. We know that there are waves, 
and that 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 so like you know that my, he just thinks my mom just picks up on things that. Can you use the word energies? Yeah, there's vi- there's vibrations uh, of life. Vibrations, the vibrations of life. And wow, that, that's cool that he, that he buys into something. Right, and when, as, and as, which, which I, I certainly do. It's, uh, so we, you know, when I think you go to that, you do go to that place. And these tree shows that that David Rizdal and I do. Yeah, that's where I've experienced it most. Where and you forget all about the fact that there are usually 12 people <laughs> really, <laughs> hopefully 30 or right. you know whatever that there are people that are actually watching this thing happen that it's like sure. you're so and I know that this is what happens for stage actors and yeah. screen actors but primarily I think more stage actors where it's like you it, there's nothing else that exists outside of the the the, the emotions that you are feeling and the connection you have with the person you are exploring this world with right that's awesome it's uh uh, 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 another way to be a good improviser is to obviously surround yourself with great improvisers, and, and, and you got to buy. Speaking of David Rizzo and a bunch of people, that's uh, that certainly heightens the experience, I'm sure. Yeah, I've been really lucky that the people that I you you you, uh, you go through the it's a fucking Ponzi scheme. I mean, or not a Ponzi scheme actually. But the, the getting into the improv. Going yeah, it's just a classes. good racket. I mean, it's yeah. UCB has a great one. Pitt and then they has get a, everybody doing the teams. It's for, a cult. Uh, you get this for, kind of cult. No kind of thing, cash. right? It's you end up losing money. Even if you're on a house team, you lose money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you're not on a house, like if you're one of those people who gets the bug and just can't give it up, and I and I and I don't, um, I try not to be judgmental of anybody, and that um, who who, but like you you that are just hanging on, like they're on a bunch of indie teams, or just keep they keep auditioning every cycle, mm-hmm. and that shit is like rehearsal space, fucking coaches. Like it sounds. I mean, Think of the, all the time investment, the, the opportunity cost would of doing you, would something you say else. It's a cottage industry. <laughs> it is. Well, I don't. Uh, it might be. Is that I, a callback? I love that. that. That's, that's a callback. I love that's the three. So a callback. It is. I a, took a few classes. Speaking uh, uh, of callbacks, what is the hardest concept you have to master? And I am looking to learn a new, maybe improv term. What a. Uh, uh, the hardest thing I mean so I don't know I think it's very individual for me yeah. the hardest yeah, thing yeah I mean, for you yeah so well I mean there's like you know, people talk a lot about like this is big at UCB like the idea of game yeah. and it's like and but what I, I've heard yeah and the, the idea of, of like um, and it's I've heard it defined in many different ways and by people who are kind of purists I think it just comes down to like what the funny thing is and then building on that heightening it and you see that at, like every SNL sketch is basically like and which I think is kind of sucks. Yeah, uh, that's why a lot of SNL sketches suck. I think like I don't. I like my favorite SNL yeah. sketches are just fucking weird. When they go out there, yeah, like the weirder it gets, the better. Another game show, right? Um, yeah, like let's take this funny thing. Like this guy's ridiculous. Let's yeah. just keep let's, let's keep, keep doing, yeah. doing. Um, Who was good at that? You think? Who's who's like, good who, at who, like Steve Martin or something like that? Like no, see, I, see, I think Steve Martin is actually like he. There's probably you could describe it as game of some of the things that he does, but like I think that he. Is just a fucking nut. Job. Like I think that he's, he's a transcendent. A, a wild and someone like guy. him. I think he's a wild. But like yeah. someone like him or Robin Williams, where it's like, yeah. and they're very different. Because I think Steve Martin's like took very. And I don't know this. I've never read about their process. But I feel like Steve Martin like has written a lot of like what he does is like the characters that he does are like they, they're so thoughtful and like right. versus like Robin Williams, who's like could do a billion characters in right. 20 minutes and never recreate it right. again. Yeah. Like it's just, I would say Steve Martin... Might not even thought of them before. Yeah. yeah. Like Steve Martin is right. cerebral and Rob Williams is like ADD. Just yeah, it's like firing, pure firing, fucking... Firing, firing. But they're both amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like in their own ways, you know? Um, but for... So anyway, I don't know why I brought... Because it's not for me. I mean, I, I, I... To me, the hardest thing is that my like ADD... I think it's a combination of like 
the the damage I've done to my brain through <laughs> weed use and, and binge drinking, um, and just my ADD, uh, which are code you know morbid. Uh, that uh, I lose like last night I did a show and like I lose track of like the relationships pretty quickly. Like if there's like if it's a complicated like we did this thing that was like that's funny I've you know, seen you perform many times and I, I, I would never catch on to that it's struggle dude yeah. I like I fake so it and I fake it till I, I fake it till, yeah like I I will like forget like that I'm like wait that's especially if it's like a, like a Downton Abbey kind of thing like somewhere where it's like there's status and it's there's, a complicated show right like yeah, yeah like, there's like who's like, who. Who's fucking who and who's that? They're they're, they're in they're. Uh, I mean, they're, they're upstairs. Stewart. They're downstairs. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I've actually never that. seen it. Yeah. There's a new show. <laughs> no, see, it's, there's a new show that Plodorp. Plod Plodorp. Have you heard of? Uh, no. There's a new show that's like sweeping the nation. Uh, sweeping the UK. Be- no, and it's becoming big here. Okay. Like I saw some article on Facebook that was like. Um, can you Plod- spell it? What, what do you Dude, say? can you look at Plutarch? P- Plodar- Plutarch was a great Roman writer. That's not oh, it. Yeah. Um, Pluto? No, not Pluto. Pluto. Dude, I saw something on the news that they're gonna like they're gonna get some images of Pluto soon. But like, isn't Chris, I thought Pluto? Was I thought, oh, that's a whole other podcast. I thought it was yeah. gone. Yeah, I thought it was just no, or it just got downgraded. Like, it's, not, it's not. a it's it did, not I, In my planet, mind, when it wasn't a planet, it was just it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah a I believe that's the New Horizons probe. Is that that's the best way to just arrive at Pluto? Could be wrong. Um, Plutarch no, was a Greek. Was a Greek. No, this is, look up. It's Plu, This is terrible radio. But Plu, uh, Plodart or something. Plu, it's on BBC, I think. Or uh, while he looks that up, we're gonna we're gonna start winding down. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. We have. Uh, Sorry, I was just derail. That was a bad. It's okay. but it's people we'll love it. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll edit it later yeah. for content. Yeah, yeah. we'll okay. put a link to the show. Yeah, uh, the Pluto right. show. But. Um, We've seen uh, a whole lot of music together, and yeah. um, I was curious if anything comes to mind, just to be off, totally off topic, sure. while I have you here, of, uh, um, it, it besides the PH, uh, what, uh, any show come to mind that just, that we've seen, that I, I know I have one that I always think about? And, uh, not a non-fish show. Non-fish uh, show. Uh, for me, it would be the boredoms at UCLA. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I wrote down the uh, All Tomorrow's party, Parties yeah. in L.A. To, to look at this list of who was there. There was curated by uh, Sonic Youth. Uh, Aphex Twin was there. We didn't see all these. We saw most of these. Big Star, Boredoms, Califone, Cannibal Ox, Cat Power, Eddie Vedder. Jim I remember the line for Eddie. We were trying to get in we to tried, see Stephen Malcolmus. Yeah. We didn't see Eddie Vedder. No, we, we, were, were, we were like in the room next door. Right, we, were, we waited in like because it was like we just wanted to get in to yeah. see. Because yeah, There's we just no, wanted we to see. In that hall, I think we saw Cat Power have a huge meltdown. Oh, big time meltdown! That was, was like back in her meltdown days. I was, I was so uh, excited to see television played in that same room. Oh too, yeah, which, which was a big thing. But Will Bilko had a big show there. Stereo Lab was there. Nels Klein, Peaches. Out of Bill all those, Kellen. I would say it was the it was the boredom show, which I've yeah, never yes. felt. Other, there's I'm been very few shows. I've gone back to see them, and, and, and it just hasn't. It's a, that was a that was a moment. There's been very few shows where like I felt like I was like had had been. Uh, my state had been altered by music. By music, but yeah. not being. By not by, by, not not by being anything else. Up. Yeah, yeah um, I want to say one thing before we wrap up though about like this the intersection of, of like comedy and, and improv and and um, and social work and therapy. Bring, like, bring it home. Um, it's just that like I am, and I'm not. I don't. This is not my theory. I didn't make this up. But like the 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 number one factor I think in uh, making a decent society and, and a human be- and the human beings that make it up is empathy um, and I think it's what we lack and I know I commented on it earlier um, 
but uh, one of the things that I think is one of the things that drives me to use theater why specifically I'm drawn to opening act and to Stargate at MTC is the use of theater to uh, teach empathy Mm-hmm. And if you're playing a character, I had a kid at opening act who played his grandmother, and afterwards was like, God, I'm such an asshole. I am such a dick to my grandmother, <laughs> like all the time. <laughs> like, and I was like, Fuck, that's it. Like, yeah. if you can, like, if you can have, like, truly uh, do your, the, because you're never gonna do it, like, you're never gonna fully understand, but like, do every, like, we, we don't do that, you know, even like, um, you know, like I said, I, I hate to go back to like liberal apathy, uh, but like, you know, I don't. I think we give a shit about people, but we don't really ever think about what it's like to be that. Be like, how often do you really thought about what it's like to be uh, a twelve-year-old a, a going to uh, a you know a shitty middle school in yeah. in um, in West Baltimore? Like, have you really outside? And the, the, the wire actually made you go yeah. there, or like, but how often do you actually Realize think? It's painful to you. No one like, wants to go. Even, you know, like, life is fucking hard. Home. You got every resource in the world. Life is fucking terrifying, dude. Yeah. <laughs> And like, so imagine if, yeah, I don't know, fuck. But, yeah, thanks for having me. No, uh, uh, anything to promote? Oh, sure. Uh, well, I mean, if you have Point Break Live is ridiculous. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's worth it. That's July 17th um, at Highland Ballroom. And then the next night, actually, uh, True East has a show July 18th at Treehouse Theater. It's early. It's at 6.30. Cool. It's weird. But, we'll uh, all, all, all out before. Yeah, and then the, studio, si- out, the studio system every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. At the pan. And I'm just trying to know, like, you mentioned all your musical phases. Like, what's your current musical phase? Mm. I listen to uh, a lot of, like, you know, I, I'm really soft stuff. I don't know. I get, I'm getting soft. Like, You're getting a little soft, huh? Yeah, like I listen to like I listen to Helpless like six times a day. <laughs> like it's bad. No, I, yeah, I don't, soft. Uh, You've been there for a minute. Yeah, I've always been. I've always been soft. Uh, but then I listened to the new Trans Am album today and got really fired up. Is that good? It's real. I don't know. It's yeah. I, they, they used to get me good liberation, man. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's been an honor. Thank you. I, great, um, Paul. Thank you. I not only cherish your friendship, but I admire your work on and off the stage. And uh, I'm a fan, and uh, we're both thrilled to have Big you. Big fans. Yeah. It was a pleasure to be yeah. here. Yeah. Come, come back sometime. Yeah. And, Thanks uh, very much, Paul. Thank yeah. you. And uh, thank you, everyone out there, for taking another trip with us beyond the margin.